Competitive advantage is the ultimate objective of strategic management and in many ways is the purpose of many of our innovation and corporate entrepreneurship initiatives. With competitive advantage, we can increase the wealth of the business, the value to our investors and the contribution to society. But these days, competitive advantage is increasingly temporary, and so our objective is to maximise the duration of our advantage, but on the understanding that we will need to continually update and renew our competitive advantages. One vital way to obtain competitive advantage is through innovating. This can be either at the product service level or business level. In the last case, this means business models. In product terms, we can look at our offer. So in terms of the offer, for the most part you can think of a product as something like an onion. At the very middle of it is the core product or service, the essential features that any customer would expect. In the outer ring beyond that you then have the expected product. So not just the core features but then the expected features a customer would want in a product. So these are the bare minimum to playing in a marketplace. After that you have the augmented product service level. This is a ring around which we, we mostly incrementally innovate. That is, we add somewhat new features, we try to refine certain elements of it. So if we think of a mobile phone, for example, that might be a more powerful camera. But at the very outer ring we have the novel product and service. This is the point where we truly innovate new elements into our product and service and try to give the customers and the marketplace something truly different. The basic point then is that core to sustaining competitive advantage and core to extending the duration of any competitive advantage is the idea of innovating and innovation. But the danger is that all we do is tinker around the edges. That is, we incrementally add small innovations that may extend parts of our competitive advantage temporarily, but leave our longer term viability at stake. This brings us squarely to what is now a crucial organisational imperative, which is achieving organisational ambidexterity. The concept of organisational ambidexterity is something a little bit odd because it obviously borrows from a biological metaphor. Now, in the average human being, what the, what the notion of ambidexterity means is that you can use, let's say, your left hand to write and you can also use your right hand to write at the, you know, to the same degree or the same quality. Or if you're a footballer, it means you're equally good playing with your left leg as you are with your right leg. But the point of this is, it's something to do with this concept of balancing two different um, modes, shall we say. Now in the organisational term, what it typically means is the ability to balance two competing activities with each other and perform e the both of them equally as well. The fundamental element of this is a notion of paradox and a notion of tension. Specifically in the organisation then, it means the ability typically to exploit what it is that we do well uh, now and improve upon that, while also being willing to undermine that and building for the future through truly new activities. So what we have then is this tension between exploitation on the one hand and exploration on the other hand. Exploitation is an effort to improve the refinement, efficiency and execution of our current activities. So in that case it's all about pursuing more knowledge that is closely related to the firm's existing knowledge base so that we become so much better at what we do. Exploration on the other hand is the complete opposite. It's focused on experimentation, play, discovery and creativity in order to increase variety within the firm. 
So exploration is much more focused on distant activities with uncertain value but with, with longer term potential. The key is that if you do both really well, you can reproduce the conditions responsible for success now while generating the variety that you need to survive in the long term. If you don't, the firm will experience a downward spiral into mediocrity and potential uh, failure. One key thing to bear in mind here is that the whole point of ambidexterity is that we need to balance these two activities. Too much exploitation leads to competency traps, that is, we just become incrementally better and better at doing the same thing. However, if we are doing too much exploration, then we run the risk of having a failure trap, in which case our efforts at exploring do not yield any particular successful outcome, which causes us to invest even more in exploring as we are desperate for the next big hit. So in this sense, you can see why we need to balance both activities. This leads us naturally to the next logical question. So how can we make ambidexterity work? Ambidexterity is something that I've researched extensively and written uh, several papers on now. And part of the answer to this is it depends on the context of the firm, the nature of the firm. But typically we see four main solutions. One is called structural ambidexterity. In this situation, you simply separate exploration and exploitation activities into two different business units or two different functions within the firm and then you coordinate them together through various coordination mechanisms. This is, shall we say, the more classic solution. But it's much more suited to mid to large size firms that have the resources to perform that kind of separation. The alternative is something called contextual ambidexterity, in which case we look at developing the right organisational circumstances, internal environment or context that encourages people to actively divide their time between exploration and exploitation activities as appropriate. The next possibility is something called temporal ambidexterity, in which case instead of in either separating the two activities or trying to perform them simultaneously through employees, Instead, we actually partition the two sets of activities into a cyclical process in which we explore and then exploit those new innovations, then we build new innovations on top of that. And so we go through this process of temporally cycling between exploration and exploitation. And then finally is the concept called domain ambidexterity, where we take advantage of networks, of our relationships to try and gap fill those areas that we are not so good at ourselves. So for example, this can be bringing innovation in from outside of the business to supplement what we currently do. So let's just look at these briefly in turn. So structural ambidexterity, as I said, suggests that it cannot be done in one unit. The tension between exploration and exploitation is simply so high that they cannot be reconciled. And there's a trade-off. The conclusion then is you set up two separate business units, one that is an exploratory unit and the other that is an exploitative unit. Perhaps one of the easiest ways that I can suggest this is if you think of research and development, or R&D, we could split research into one portion or into one business unit and then development into a second business unit, the more exploitative aspect. Now, the key to this then is that the headquarters or the business is then providing the overarching link between these two separated units. And by coordinating their activities, we achieve ambidexterity. So what does it take to achieve that coordination? Well, on the one hand, for example, centralization negatively affects 
exploration, but is positive for exploitation. Formalization is also much more beneficial for exploitation. However, increased connectedness between units, increased flows of communications, almost like network connections perhaps. This is positive for both exploration and exploitation and helps reconcile the two activities. Oh, and socialization within the business helps too. Contextual ambidexterity, on the other hand, is much more amenable to organizations that are, say, smaller in size, or that would find it difficult to split up these sort of crucial innovation activities. Under contextual ambidexterity, we try to manipulate the context in which people behave. So in this sense, we want to specifically try to develop our employees in ways that enables them to take the initiative and be alert to spot opportunities outside their specific job. We want them to be cooperative to seek opportunities outside their main work. We want them to be network builders who constantly form new internal linkages across the firm and by extension we need them to be multitaskers. So these properties can be used to approximate firm design conditions that are useful to contextual ambidexterity. So for example, interconnectedness, cooperation, formal and informal networks and the granting of autonomy. So in the case of both of these solutions then, it's really about how do we go about building ambidexterity into an organization. In structural ambidexterity, it's really about defining the structure to make trade-offs between this exploration and exploitation. For contextual ambidexterity, it's really about developing the context in which individuals act. So we're concentrating on how individual employees divide their time between exploration-focused activities and exploitation-focused activities. I'll just briefly touch on the idea of temporal um, ambidexterity. As I explained earlier, this is really a cycling process, sometimes known as punctuated equilibrium in technical terms. But in all honesty, what it's really about is the firm cycling through episodes of exploitation and exploration over time. So in this sense, it typically, let's say, exploits its existing innovations, its existing products, it builds upon that, but then it switches into a exploration mode in order to develop the next series of products or services that can lead to its future success. Once those have been generated, it then switches to an exploitation mode where it refines and builds upon that, and then switches to exploration again. In many ways, you can see this quite clearly in the technology industry, where you tend to see a technological breakthrough, then that breakthrough gets refined and refined before the firm switches to a, an exploratory mode again to develop the next phase of technology. The major problem with this, though, is that you are essentially asking employees, you are asking the firm and you are stressing the firm to switch between two completely different mindsets. On the one hand, exploiting technology is very much about refinement, execution, increased profitability from what it is you do now. Switching to an explorative mode means, in many ways, abandoning that and thinking with much greater risk-taking mindsets, much more creativity, much more freedom. So that switch is almost like a schism inside the organization because it's such a fundamental shift. The other problem, of course, as I hinted at earlier, is how long do these episodes last? And there is this problem of the competency trap where the firm just becomes so good at refining what it currently does that it finds it very difficult to move away from that. 
Equally, with exploration, unless you are very successful in getting a, a quick hit, you run the risk of cycling into a, a, a failure trap, in which case you are trying to constantly find the next big thing. The final thing I'll briefly touch on is the idea of domain ambidexterity. For the most part, this is quite a new idea, but it's fundamentally driven by the idea that perhaps an entire organization does not need to both explore and exploit. Instead, you can be explorative in one part of the business, but exploitative in another. And you can use alliances or network relationships as a way of supplementing where you have weaknesses. By now, I'm pretty sure that a key question in your mind is, well, is all of this worth it? And can we be sure of the rewards? Can we be sure? No. Um, is it worth it? I would argue yes. The main reason behind this is that, for the most part, there is a good strong body of work that shows that ambidexterity is important, it is beneficial, particularly for long-term viability. However, it clearly stresses the organization and it's because of that stress it places the organization under that we have to ask a set of questions as to whether there is a point where some degree of specialization is perhaps superior for young firms, particularly for some firms, particularly those that may be, say, resource deficient, for example, or those needing um, more immediate change in their product market situation. The last thing I would like to draw attention to is that, you know, at the beginning of talking about ambidexterity, I mentioned the word balance. And I'd like to bring to your attention a particular quote by James March, who is one of the forefathers of the idea of ambidexterity. And he said that balance is a nice word, but a cruel concept. And the key, I would say, from that statement is, we don't always know what the optimum mix of exploration and exploitation is and precisely what it means to achieve balance. I don't think at all that it's, we're talking a 50-50 equilibrium here whatsoever. I think most firms will be focused on exploitation and building upon what it is that, does, that they do well precisely because those exploitative activities bring in the revenue that will fund exploration activities thereafter. In conclusion, then, I'd like to emphasize, I guess, somewhat the obvious. Sustaining competitive advantage is difficult, but trying to sustain any advantage is much better than being ultimately placed in a position of competitive disadvantage. There is no one best way, though, but I would argue that organizational ambidexterity is now absolutely crucial. On this, I have a suite of papers, including an extensive analysis of the concept of organizational ambidexterity, and I would encourage you to look into those readings.